Hannah, let's go ahead and prepare to give a love offering tonight. These offerings are going to go towards our speakers. And tomorrow, if I Very interesting time. But I know that God is still in control. Amen. I uh, appreciate Brother Kevin having us. And uh, what a friend he is. Him and Sister Lucia. What a joy to be around them. And uh, it's good to see everybody tonight. I enjoyed the praise and worship. What a tremendous spirit that they ushered in here tonight. Such talent. Oh, my goodness. That would be a crime to have that kind of talent, you know. My goodness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you tonight uh, out of Judges chapter 16. Several different scriptures that I have set here. I don't know if I'll get to all of them tonight, but... It's good to see each of you here tonight. Um, I was last year we had um, I think it's Isaac's little boy. Is that right on the drums up there? Uh, Isaiah. And uh, man, I I never forget that. And then what what a tremendous message he brought forward last year. Tremendous. I I still recall in my mind on that reflect upon that and and uh, brother Hernandez is that right I um, often go to the message he preached last year and stirs my soul uh, what a what a privilege to have heard you speak and I'm looking forward to tomorrow night to hear you and I know it's going to be fabulous and um, no pressure on me tonight at all this thing rolling because uh, get tremendous speakers here. As I'm looking at Judges chapter 16, I've been, you know, since um, since I received the invitation, I've been praying, God, I need something to preach and to minister. We don't want it to be just another message or just another sermon. I want something that's going to change the hearts of people. Not only their hearts, I need mine changed too. And so this is not just for you, this is for me too. So as we look at the word tonight, we're going to, I hope and pray that I can dissect this thing to get us to a place where that we know who we are and we know what our weaknesses are and we know that God has everything in control and he orders our steps interesting story here we're dealing with Samson and interesting story how things begin to unfold and in fact as he was on his conquest uh, the Lord said that he was in it and I thought how can that be I, I look at the church today in a comparison to the early church 21st century versus the first century church and I, I wonder, I wonder what their take on the church today would be like. I wonder how they would explain it. I wonder, I wonder what they would say about our nation. I wonder what they would say about our passion and our longing for the presence of God. And 
I think we can look in scripture and, and you have two characters that walk up two gates that has a, a man laying there and they, they come to him and they say, silver and gold have we none. But such as I have, I give unto thee, rise. And the man got up. Versus the 21st century church that says silver and gold have we much. But very seldom even speak to the lame to change their life. So I think that in our education and in our knowing and our life experiences, we still come up short in comparison to the 21st century church. I say to our people many times that uh, when, when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we have put more emphasis on the speaking in tongues than the person of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Therefore, our emphasis is only in jabbering and not in power. But Jesus says to those that were following him, go and tarry until you've been, do, been endued with power from on high. And, and I find that, especially here in America, that the 21st century church is, is weak. It doesn't have the power that it proclaims to declare. And we find that many young people today are, are, are moving to uh, dark arts looking for power that the church says it has but hasn't demonstrated. And we focus more on, on material things than we're focusing on what the real thing is. And as a, a preacher, I, I want to, uh, I think all of us as preachers, we need to uh, put ourselves in a place that the text, the text, if I get up to preach a text, then that text will work me. But if I, but if I get up and the text has me, then I begin to preach on a level from understanding the text. I, I, I heard someone make a comment one time and said that, um, that, that when you're reading the word of God, there should be hundreds of verses that are in the passage that are leaping up to you saying, preach me. But if I get up to preach and I'm just taking a text and saying, well, God gave me a text without putting myself in that text, and studying that text and putting myself in that position where that, that when I begin to preach, now that text is already in me. And so, in other words, what I'm saying is that when I come to a pulpit to preach, I should have already been to the pulpit. In my prayer time and in my fasting and in my reading the word so that I have something to say when I get up. Because many times a text, a text without an anointing, can bring confusion. But someone with anointing that has put the text inside of them and has worked that text over from every angle that you can think of, 
from every angle that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you, then now you can begin to preach from a level that you've never preached before. So that you can start seeing the power of that text begin to come into reality instead of just being another massage parlor moment that we're massaging the ears of people that don't know how to do anything with the word because we haven't demonstrated what to do with the word of God. And so we have impotent moves of God and so when I, I look at Judges chapter 16 and, and I begin to read the story of Samson, I begin to look at interesting moments here in Samson's life that was, was angelically announced. His birth was angelically announced. Uh, man, what a... What a a blessing to have angels come and announce your appearance and to begin to describe what you're going to do. He's, he's appointed to be a judge. He, he's appointed to be a Nazarite. And, and just two little, two little things about a Nazarite was that, that it, was, it wasn't to cut his hair. And seven locks of a, hair coming out of his head. And, and then the Next was not to take of the vine, you know, which, which tells us that, that God is actually saying to him that I want you to be totally competent. I, don't want, I want you to be in control when I begin to speak to you. I don't want you to be at a place that I have to reach way out to pull you back in. I want you to be in control in your right mind. So when I'm looking at these passages, I'm seeing, seeing that many times we find that people might not be in their right spiritual mind. Uh, the word tells us that my people are destroyed for the lack of understanding or the lack of knowledge. But when I understand the scriptures, that the scripture tells me that when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, when I'm filled with the power of God... It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives and dwells within us. So if I have the same spirit that dwelled in Christ or that raised him from the dead, then there's something powerful inside of me and inside of you. But, but if we don't understand that, we'll never, we'll never use the Holy Spirit, although the Holy Spirit can't use us to the full potential of what God intended for us to walk in in the days that we're living in. In my lifetime, I haven't seen the crazy times what we are facing today. A lot of people are saying that surely we're coming to the end of time. People are calling things right, wrong, and wrong, right. We're in a messed up time where that, where that things are being passed and things are being, being brought forward for us to accept, supposedly to accept, and if you don't accept it, then you're wrong, you know. I, I can't accept anything that cuts against the Word of God. I have to stand with the Word of God because the Word of God is truth to me. And it's life to me. 
So in, 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 in uh, Judges chapter 16, I want to, I want to look at verse uh, 7. And Samson said unto her, if they, if they bind me with seven green widths that were never dried, then shall I be weak. Now, now in this moment, we're finding he is in the hands of Delilah. We find that at one point, before Delilah, there was another. And he, we find he had the propensity, if you will, to, to, to uh, allow the inward man to pull him into places that he really was not supposed to go. And he was using his strength in an area that he should not have been displaying his strength. Am I making any sense here what I'm saying? So we see that the Philistines really had an issue with Samson. We, we find that he goes and in his own desires, he finds a woman that pleases him. And, and uh, we see that as a result of it, that he grabs the gate of the city when they were coming against him and throws the gates of the city. So we see his strength is incredible. We, we, we see that uh, in one moment that a lion comes on the path that he's walking in, and the word tells us that, that strength came upon him in such a manner that he, he caught the lion and ripped him apart like you would do a kid, not a child, but a, a goat, a little baby goat. So we see the incredible strength that he had, but he was using it in our eyes in the wrong manner. But the word says that God was in approval of not the way that he was doing, but he was using, using it for an occasion to come against the Philistines. So we begin to look at the anointing that he had not only to judge Israel, but to come against the Philistines to destroy the Philistines. It's interesting here how that he had the power to judge Israel, but he faltered in judging himself. You know what's amazing is how that we can look at everybody else's problems and never look at our problems. You know, we, we get up and we operate in an anointing that God has and we, we forget about the frailties of our own life and the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. And so we find in Samson's life that he had something inside of him that was drawing him to the enemy's camp. He said, what does that have to do with me? Nothing, unless you want it to have something to do with you tonight. But my point, my point that I'm trying to bring forward here is that we're not to judge lest we be judged. Man, is that a hard place to be in when you're in a position that sheep have teeth. Some of them have fangs. I'm joking. I, 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 sheep don't have teeth and they don't have fangs, but 
but some of them will, will, will come against and talk against you privately. And, and when that gets back around, it brings deep hurts into your soul and your heart begins to break because you've been doing everything in your power to bring them closer to God. And yet they've got something in them that's buffering against you that maybe God is trying to work something out of you and just using them to do it. Uh, you know, everybody, they, if you've been in ministry for five minutes, you understand that ministry is not an easy thing. It's not a hard thing, but it's not an easy thing either. And I guess that, that no matter what walk of life that you're in, whether you're in ministry or not in ministry, there are things that all of us begin to face that we wonder, why am I walking through some of the things that I'm walking through? And why isn't God coming and dealing with some of this stuff? Uh, you know, I've been through some things in my life. And you look at me and it don't look like I've been through some stuff, but I've been through all kind of weight programs. I can remember, I can remember uh, a prophet coming into our church one time and begin to prophesy, and, and I'm standing in line, and I'm at the place where that, I'm, re I'm ready to get out of church, I'm ready to get out of here, and um, Bev is there, and she's praying, God, please shut this guy up, don't let him say another word, because she knew where I was. I was just tired of the foolishness, I was tired of the pain, tired of the hurt, tired of the junk. Anybody else been in that? Don't raise your hand because. And he began to prophesy. And the word of the Lord came and he, and he started reading my mail. From the past to the present. And then began to prophesy the future. But what a thing that I remember that really broke me. There's a few things that he said in the midst of it. He said, when you were in your mother's womb, that your parents said, there's something different about this child. So after that meeting, after that was over with, I, I went to my dad. I said, Dad, I said, um, crazy question for you. When mom was carrying me, was there anything said in that term that she was carrying me. He said, oh, yeah. He said all the time we would talk about that there was something different about you. Exact same words. And I knew at that moment from what I was running from was what I needed to start running to. And there's moments in our life that it validates what you have felt deep down inside. And then, as a result of it, it gives you strength and gives you power to carry on even in the midst of foolish moments. Samson, we see, is at a place in his life in chapter 16 where Delilah is pressing him. In other words, she's leaning on him to give her answers because there were five lords that had an, 
a problem with Samson and wanted him destroyed. And they're now at a place where they're, they're pushing on her to push on him to get the secret of his strength so they can capture him and destroy him. In the midst of the intimacy that he has with her, she's now persuading him to reveal to her his strength. I'm going to tell you, I think that our strength needs to be in God. Our strength needs to be in the word. Our strength needs to be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit that we know, that we know, that we know God's hand is upon us. And here she is pressuring him. Baby, hey, please tell me, you're so strong. What makes you so strong? What makes you so powerful? Where do you get your strength from? Where, what is it? Are you eating oatmeal or whatever? He said, look, if I eat, if I eat something, if I do something, if, if you take some green uh, vines and wrap them around me, I'll lose my strength. And so she calls the people and they wrap him in the vines. And then she says, the Philistines, the Philistines. And he wakes up, breaks it anointing of God comes upon him. Man, can you imagine this guy picking up a jawbone of a donkey and slaying a thousand? No wonder they had problems with him. They didn't know how to handle him, didn't know what to do with him. But he was anointed to destroy the Philistines. We see a couple of different incidents in here where she is really pushing and really we'll drop down to verse 11 and it says, and he said unto her, if thy bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another, another man. And Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and there will be uh, 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 um, liars that wait abiding in the chamber, and, and, and they break them from, from off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Where, where, where the two thou hast mocked me? Hey man, you're telling me stories. You're not being truthful with me. I think it's important. It's important where you lay your head. We find in just a couple of verses that he lays his head in her lap. Now through, through scripture, we, we see where, where, where Jesus slept. He was sleeping in a boat, and, and the disciples come running to the boat, and they're, 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 don't you care that we perish? And he comes up out of his sleep, and he begins to speak to the wind and speak to the waves, and, uh, uh, and he, he rebukes that moment, and peace came upon the water. We, we find that Adam went into a sleep 
and out of him came Eve. I think it's important where we fall to sleep. It's important where you rest. It's where you rest your head. Uh, we, we, we go down in, in scripture, in verse 16, it says, And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily for, with her words and urged him so that the soul was, back, was vexed unto death, he told, he told her all his heart. This, this was a, verse 16 is a tough one here. And it came to pass when, when she pressed him daily with her words. In other words, when he got up in the morning, they're sitting there eating breakfast, and she says, what about your strength? Tell me about your strength. Where do you get your strength from? Uh, he goes out for lunch, and it's, where, where do you get your strength? What, what's going on? He comes home. He's in the shower. He gets out the shower. Where do you get your strength from? He, he, he's, he's, he's just constantly being bombarded by these questions. Where did you get your strength from? She's pressing him, leaning on him. And he falls asleep. And the word says that he told her all his heart and said unto her, there hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from the, my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, you better be careful who you tell your heart to. Then the lords of the Philistines came up uh, unto her and brought money in their hand. Some common commentaries say that there was a thousand pieces of silver from the five guys. So he had 5,000 pieces of silver, which, which is a whole lot more than what Jesus was sold by Judas. Now, when I look at that, and, and, and I like types and shadows in Scripture, and, and when I look at Samson's life here, Samson was everything that they needed. Everything. I, I think when, when you've got five that's bidding for you, then they're coming against the five-fold ministry that Samson was. And so they were coming against all of it because they needed to destroy not four, but all five of those attributes that Samson had because within him, he had the capacity to deal with any giant. Any giant he had the capacity to deal with. And they knew they had to take him from all five sides there. So there was a bidding for him. And, and they were coming, they were coming to take him. And so and, and and he told her all his heart and said to her that there have not come a razor upon his head. Verse 18, and Delilah saw that he told uh, all his heart and sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come, come at once. And they show, showed me all his heart, and the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought her money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for the men, or called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, 
I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. So just grabbing a text and coming to the pulpit to preach a text doesn't mean that you have the text. The text needs to have you so that when you deliver a word, it begins to change the lives of people. No matter what kind of change needs to take place in their life, that word changes the group. Does that make sense? We've been having some very interesting encounters in our church. We there's, there's moments that I'm preaching and I'll see little, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like lights that just pew, shoot across the back of the auditorium. And, and paying attention to what's happening there, I begin to see something that begins to happen within me just from the appearance of angels that are coming into the house. My, my children, my, my son-in-law and daughter, every time that my daughter conceived, there has been an angel that appeared in the kitchen and in the living room of her home. A couple of weeks ago, we had a gentleman in our church that's been in our church for quite a while, and he's had some physical problems, went to the doctor, and the doctor says, look, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do a procedure that's going to put uh, uh, um, some type of deal in his heart to regulate all of what was taking place, and yet, at the same time, they were afraid to do the procedure because his heart was in such bad condition. Comes down to the altar to be prayed for, goes back to his doctor, which was scheduled, goes to the doctor, the doctor says, I don't understand exactly what's going on. He says, but your heart is like a brand new heart. God's doing something if we will allow him to do it. But I have to get into the word and I have to increase my prayer life. I have to increase my fasting. I have to increase my time with God. For him to show up in the way, in the manner in which the word says he will show up. The word says he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll cause a river in the midst of a desert place. He he says, if that's not enough, I will cause you to spring forth. In other words, there's some things that I'm going to cause you to leap over that has been interfering with where you're going. You ever have one of those moments where that that in your walk with God, you, you, you can see where you need to be, but it's like this invisible wall that's hitting there, and every time you begin to go in that direction, it's like you hit this wall or you hit a, a, an area that's resistant to you getting to the place that you know you're supposed to be at. I, I believe that those things are, they only move by fasting and prayer. Increase comes in our life when we understand the scripture and we begin to make it applicable for my daily walk. You know, you hear preachers say that Mondays is a rough day for them. They're depressed, they're down. But I've come to a conclusion with that. 
is that their resident anointing lacks from their preaching anointing. They can get up and preach and begin to see the power of God begin to move, but when they come off the platform, because they haven't been feeding themselves, only studying for a message, but not studying to feed themselves to become the powerhouse that God wants them to be. There should be no lack in our life. Whether I'm in the, in the pulpit or out of the pulpit, I should be walking in the presence of God and see the dynamics of God working in and through my life by virtue of me spending time and putting myself in a position to walk in that that he has for me. So when I'm looking at Samson, I see Church of America, where that there's been a tremendous calling, but yet there's been the failure to walk in that because we have something inside of us that the devil knows is there, and he brings the temptation to our life to get us off course from the destiny and the purpose that God has designed us for. Is that making sense here? I don't know. I don't know about you, but 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 I'm I'm being stirred in just talking about this here and checking in my mind, in my heart. Have you prayed enough? Have you fasted enough? Have you have you talked to God today? Have you have you prayed in the Holy Ghost? Have you have you set yourself aside where that you just be quiet for a moment and listen to what He has to say? See, it's not a one-sided relationship. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place where that that we speak and he speaks, and I have to, I have to take those moments. A dear friend of mine was, he's he's done passed on, and and uh, stories about him from people that we know and family members have said that when he would go into his his prayer garden, there were accounts that. Redwood trees would part and close back. And he would call friends or family that was waiting for him and saying, you can come on back now. I've spent my time with God. And, and right before the phone call, that redwood trees would open up and close back again. You may have heard of him, Kim Clement. Stories of this where that you see the dynamics of God wanting to speak in the lives of people today, not just in Old Testament times, and not just to the first century church, but he wants to speak to us on an individual basis and begin to commune with us that we understand where he is, what he's doing, and what is his thoughts about what's going on in this world so we can be on the right side and not crossed with God. how you have moments where you're working your message at home and you're seeing it come out in a certain pattern. Well, this ain't any way where I saw coming out today. So I'm, I am walking as scared as I could be up here right now because it is in no way shaped to what I thought was going to come out today. So challenging Challenging our lives, whether you're in ministry or not in ministry, we all 
have a place of relationship with him that he now brings us into our destiny and the purpose in which God has designed for us from the foundation of this world. It's not by chance that you and I are living in the times that we're living in. Living with the fears that is being invoked upon us by every news channel and every radio station that could say, and you're next. Okay? But what I think needs to be taking place is that we need to be pushing against the gates of hell. In, in, in the New Testament, it talks about a woman, a widow woman, that, that begins to go before the judge. And he be, she began to press against the judge and say, avenge me, avenge me. And he goes to another place, and he now she shows up at the same place with him, and she's saying, avenge me, avenge me. In other words, get, get things straight. There's things that have been done wrong, and I need you. And he says this, I have no regard for God nor man. But this woman is wearing me out. She's making me weary. So when I look at passages like that, I'm trying to wonder, what is God trying to say about this to us? Because we can look at it just from a story or historical value. But if I really begin to look at it, my prayer life, your prayer life, should be petitioning the courts of heaven that we're now saying, avenge us, Lord. We're now pushing our way in, that we have that relationship with him, that we now take the presence of God and bring it into our situation that he avenges us. He changes things for us. But you've got to push. You have to push. I've been raised up in a, under a powerful man of God. Powerful ministry. Saw miracles. There wasn't a Sunday that went by that we didn't see miracles. Not just talking about salvation. There was hundreds of people each service that were getting saved. But seeing ears open up, eyes open up, miracles taking place. A man comes out of the balcony, calls, a, calls him out of the balcony, had a broken foot, an athlete. God touches him, ministers to him, changes the trajectory for his life. It's just one word that can change the trajectory of your life. One touch from God can get you on course of what God intended for your life. So, so when I'm looking at Samson, and I keep going back and say I'm looking at Samson, but I'm doing more talking than I am looking here. It says, how be it, the hair of his head began to grow. It began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for an offer of great sacrifice to Dagon, their God and rejoice for they said our God has delivered Samson our enemy into our hand and they were celebrating but they didn't know that God had plans to put Samson in their camp that goes on you see in verse 26 and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand the 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 Philistines were 3,000 in this arena, people on the roof, in the balcony. And they're saying, bring Samson out to entertain us. They were mocking him. The enemy will mock you. 
And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and there were upon the roof upon 3,000 men and women, and beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. Remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Hear my prayers. Oh God, what we have what have we allowed to take place in our nation and in our world, our world? God, hear my prayer. Hear my prayer. I know that I fumbled the ball. I know that in that full court press things happen, and I, 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 I should not have followed after things. I should not have done. I shouldn't have used my strength for what I used it for. But, oh, God, my Lord, hear my prayer. Use me. One time, one more time. I think we're at the place in our world. God, use me one time. One time. He says, show me the pillars. Bring me, lead me to the pillars. I can't see them on my own because out of my own choices, my eyes have been plucked out. They've tried to kill me. The biggest mistake that the Philistines made was they didn't finish him. They didn't kill him. The biggest mistake that the enemy has made in your life, that he's did, he didn't finish you when he had the chance. I don't know why they didn't kill him. I don't know why. Evidently, they wanted to sport him around. They wanted to mock him. They wanted to have feathers in their hat, especially the five that came and, and paid uh, Delilah. I can imagine, I can imagine uh, 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 Samson saying, you know what, Delilah, keep the money. I don't need the money. You know, uh, judgeship, I don't need the judgment. Uh, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry that I, I failed you, but I don't need Mom and Dad right now. I need God and I need Him alone. God, use me one more time. One more time. He put His hands on the pillars, you know the story, he put his hands on the pillars and, and the little boy walked away. And all of a sudden, the power of God, the Holy Spirit comes upon him like he felt before. He felt it when, when he picked up the gates of the city. He felt it when he picked up the, the donkey's jawbone. He felt it when he had all these encounters. When they come to, to kill him, he, he bust off the, the, the green vines, the ropes that had him bound. He, he, he defied those things, but yet he gave his secret out. 
I always thought that Delilah was the one that cut his hair, but the word said he had a man come in and shave him. He says, I'll do it like I did before, not realizing that God had removed his hand from him. Can you imagine from that moment to the time that this little boy is leading him to the pillars of that arena? What was going on in his mind as he was grinding wheat? Let me tell you, sin will put you in a grind. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it of people around me. Sin will put you in a grind and sin will bind you. Say it's just a little thing. We were talking on our way over here how that uh, there, there are some people that, that uh, have, have fallen, and, and my heart goes for them, my heart breaks for them. And they're looking, they're looking for some kind of oxygen to, to help revive them. And some, somebody says, well, the reason, the reason that the pattern of people falling is because they're in burnout. Uh, you know, I disagree with that. I disagree with it. I don't think it's burnout. I think it's the lack of time feeding themselves. I think one of the greatest dangers that you can get in is not feeding yourself and not, not bringing the presence of God and not studying the word of God so that you now have the text. And when you get up and begin to live the next day, that you have the text encapsulated inside of you and now it deposits something that changes your perspective about life because now you have a perspective of a kingdom mindset so that you can leave a kingdom legacy for the next generation to know. Amen. I, I rejoice. I'm a, I'm a rich man. I don't have a lot of money, but I'm a rich man. I've got four grandsons. I got a little five-year-old that'll prophesy your socks off. Don't even know what he's saying. I've got, I've got another one. Man, I'm just so proud. 13 years old. I mean, jamming on the bass, leading praise and worship in his school, and hearing him sing and hitting that, and hearing his peers applaud and say, I've never felt anything quite like that. There's a legacy that we are to leave to the next generation, down to the thousand generation. But if we fumble the ball, now look at what happened with, with, with Samson. Man, his insight was cut out. His testimony was destroyed. The genealogy was cut off because of something that he left unchecked. And didn't judge himself for. He could judge all of Israel. But he could not see and judge himself. I think we need to be aware. Of the damage that could take place. Not just in our own personal life. And people say well don't affect anybody. Well you can't tell me that. When I've seen things that affected our whole family. As a result of one decision. decision. One moment. 
Because not having the right thing inside that allowed something that was innate from generations past to now come forward. I believe that what we're living in right now is a true test of what we're going to do. How are we going to respond to an enemy that's coming to try to steal, kill, and to destroy? You say, well, it's not just now. No, it's not. He's been after us for a long time. That's why we went through some things that, that we've gone through in our life. And here, here, if I could just for a moment put myself in Samson's mode. Honey, I'm going to bear my heart to you now. If they cut my hair, my strength is going to go. He falls, this, falls asleep in her lap. That's why I said it's, it's important to be aware of where you sleep. In our house, sleep is really not an important. But where I do sleep is important. And who I sleep with is important too. When everything's clicking, when everything's working in my life, I will, I will be praying in the Holy Ghost even in my sleep to the point that it wakes my wife up and she'll say, what are you saying? And I'm just lost in the spirit. But, but what's happening is my memory now is kicking in and my subconscious is now working something when my conscience is sleeping. And, and this is where we get dreams in our subconscious arena. But if I don't train my subconscious or my muscle memory i was talking to a friend of mine and we were sitting at dinner the other night and he was talking about his little girl that was raised up he's got a granddaughter that's playing softball now and he started bragging on his daughter and he says you know something he said when she was playing he said i had her get out in the backyard and we had an old tree and i gave her an axe and i thought what in the world does an axe have to do with softball and he said i had her chop he said i, I put red marks on the tree where she needed to swing the axe. He said, what I was trying to do was to have her muscle memory trained that when she swung a bat, she was going to swing it in the strike zone. That she wasn't going to chop down. She wasn't going to swing up. She was going to have a level swing. I thought, man, muscle memory. Muscle memory works in our advantage when we, you know, you can be driving home and have your mind on something else and you're not paying attention to where you're going. And actually you wanted to make a stop somewhere before you got to the house, but your muscle memory or your subconscious has been working in you that when you get to your corner, you turn into your house and you turn in you say, man, I wanted to go somewhere else and stop and do this before I come home. Well, what happened was your conscience went dead for a moment, but your subconscious kicked in and come to your conscience and said, turn here, turn here. So if I'm not, as a pastor, reading the Word of God and taking the Word of God that that text is now captured by me, and I now begin to dissect that text and begin to work it in me, then how am I going to respond from my subconscious level so that I can act and do what I'm supposed to do. 
I know I'm not communicating that exactly the way I need to communicate it, but memory is a strong factor that we have. And there's some things that we remember that we really need to forget. And there's some things we need to train our mind to remember, and it's the Word of God. And I have to think for a moment that in that time where Samson had his head shaved to the point that he's grinding around the mill and they're mocking him and they're teasing and they're making sport of him, I'm thinking that he's going in his mind thinking about what took place. In fact, I think he was telling Delilah, hey, when I was a child in first grade, my, my hair kept growing. I never, I was the only kid in school that had long hair. Second grade come along and my hair was even longer and they made fun of me because they were telling me I didn't have enough money to go get a haircut. I had all kind of problems and the things that I realized that I thought was against me was actually working for me. And there's things in our life that we think was against us but it was actually working for us. And I can go in my life and think about all the things that have taken place in my life. I, I, I remember a time where that uh, when I was a kid, I would get back on the on the picnic bench. Everybody had a picnic bench in there. It's like we're going on picnic. We couldn't afford going to the park. So we had a picnic in our backyard. So we had a picnic bench in the backyard. I gathered all of my friends around and I would preach to them. I had my little Bible. I had my little eyeglasses. I thought I was just going to be the preacher. And I put my glasses on and I'd start preaching to all the kids in the neighborhood and we had an altar call and we prayed for them but yet it come a point in my life I didn't want anything to do with ministry I can remember working with a pipeline company and for the first six weeks of six months of the uh, of working with them they put you in a uh, an area to see if you're really going to work and if you didn't work out then within that six month period they were going to excuse you and I can remember going in one day and we were going to clean a right away where the storm came through and trees had run over and so, so for the air patrol that was flying over the, the pipelines to make sure there weren't no leaks, we had to clear everything out. And I can remember going in and there were snakes everywhere, water moccasins everywhere. Now, I, I don't like snakes at all. I don't know about you, but I, I don't like them. I think... The only good snake is a dead snake, you know. And somebody says, well, you, you need to keep that snake because that snake will kill rats. I don't care what it kills. Rats, I don't like them either. We'll just kill them all. So we were coming out, and they had this little rascal in front of the boat. And we pulled up. There's a big culvert. The snake went on one side. We pulled up on the other side. We jumped out. And... Uh, probing bar, you know when a probing bar is like a T, has a T handle, you shove it in the ground to find out where the pipe is on the ground so you know how to mark things. And so I'm taking that and I'm shoving them in the ground, we're killing them and we're just having, having fun. You know, it's just a boy moment, okay? The truck wasn't there. We sent the truck to another location to go finish because we was on a Friday. We were trying to get out of there, get both jobs done that day. And they were gone. And so here we are. We finished our job. We're waiting for them to come pick us up. I'm shoving this stuff in the ground, and we're pulling them out, cutting the snakes open. A water snake, the, the, the babies will go inside a in their mouth at danger, so we're cutting them out. We're stomping them, you know, just, just a boy moment. It was stupid, but it was just one of those moments. I got to the edge of that culvert looking down, and I'm shoving that rod down uh, in, into these balls of snakes. 
and I kind of went a little bit too far. Now, I wasn't as big as I am now, and, and it was like my weight shifted, and I lost my balance, and the guy that was with me as I'm going in grabs my belt, but my weight had already committed. You know what I'm talking about? And so he decided it's better for you than for both of us. So he turned me loose, and I can remember falling in in those snakes. And I'm thinking, man, how many times in life have we come to a place where the enemy tried to take us out? I jumped out of that thing. Man, my heart was up in my throat. It's pounding away. I laid down on the hot shells that was there. The guy that was with me, he said, man, they got you. So I jumped up. I'm trying to take my britches off to... to, to uh, see where they bit me at, and I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, and I could see, if I close my eyes right now, I could really see it all over again. There's one that was between my legs, one up on the side over here, one on the side, and a big ball of them right here. Jesus walked on the water. I, I jumped out of the gumbo that was in South Louisiana and got out of that thing. If, if one of them would have gotten me, it was an hour and 45 minutes before the truck came back, and we were in a desolate place. There was no traffic, no cell phones. We had little beepers. What do you do with a beeper? And I think, how many times has God saved me from what the enemy trying to take me out? I can remember getting in the helicopter, and the helicopter takes off, and all of a sudden we're coming in, and it dropped several hundred feet. I mean, it was one of those things that everything down here is all up here right now, you know. We landed, got out, and I'm just, thank you, Jesus. Chip lights on the engine, chip lights on the transmission. You know, all these things that, you know, they train you for before you get in these things. And I knew it wasn't good. But God. Car accidents. But God. And I have to think. That Samson is in a place of memory lane. And as he's grinding, as he's, as he's being ridiculed by people, he had to zone those things out and just remember what God did. Remember every time that the Holy Spirit came upon him and power came upon him and he slayed a thousand with a donkey's jawbone. What are the odds of somebody coming in against people and slaying them with a, with a donkey's jawbone? He's going through memory lane, and he's thinking how good it felt. Have you ever gotten into a place where that, that you have said, God, I thank you, but I just can't handle some of this stuff anymore. And then when he pulls it away, you grieve because he's not using you like we used to use you. think Samson was in a fight to get back to the place where God would use him. And what the Philistines did not understand was in the midst of the grind, Samson's hair was growing back. His prayer life had come back. Come back. God was going to use him once again. Now when I look at that, he says, hey, Delilah, you just keep the money. Mom, Dad, 
it's not saying this in scripture. This is my interpretation of what's going on in, in him. Mom and dad, I love you, and I'm sorry I failed you. This is not about you right now. Judge, all you other judges, I appreciate the time, and Lord, I just thank you for the moment that you gave me opportunity to judge. But I'm walking away from that also. Because there's a higher calling right now. <laughs> Let me tell you, there is a higher calling right now in our world for men and women of God to call out to him and say, God, use me one more time. Use me one more time. And going back through the memory of what he used you in, how he used you, is only a portion of what he's going to use you in in the times and the seasons that we're in. And he's just looking for people to say, oh, God, oh, my Lord, use me. Avenge me of my enemies poking my I look at the television today and I see all the foolishness, the propaganda, how it's wanting us to think and what it's wanting us to buy into and what it's teaching our children and what's coming into our school systems and all the things. I know, I know based upon scripture, there are ancient spirits that come into our nation now. And these ancient spirits or causing people to talk about their personal truth. Well, it's all relative. I say it's all relative to the God you serve. And in the times that we're in, I can't just get up in the pulpit and not have something to say that's going to change the lives of people. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. Take it. Rise up and walk. I mean, man, you're jumping and leaping and praising God. And went into the synagogue, and people that were passing him every day were saying, is this the man that was begging for alms outside the gate? Today, the 21st century church, silver and gold, we've got plenty. Very seldom do we see anyone speaking to the lame. Take up your bed. Stand up and walk. Where's the miracles? Where's the demonstration of God's power? God can do it. But he's looking for people to do it through. So when God begins to speak to us, he wants to speak to us in a way that brings us back to Adam and Eve or how God intended for man to walk and to live is to have dominion, to multiply, and to subdue. In the church today, people are leaving church. I'm, just, I'm not talking about your church. I'm talking about as a whole in America People are leaving the church. COVID comes out. We've masked everybody. It was a year of the mouth. Muzzled people to keep them from speaking. 
This year, according to the Hebrew calendar, is the year of the open door. It's the year that you and I have the ability to walk through a door that God has opened that we can enter into dimensions that we have never seen before in our life. I believe that we're in a stage right now that the power of God is just waiting to be poured out upon people that are willing to go in and take it by force. Kingdom of God suffered violence. We have to be violent and start taking it by force. You say, what does that have to do with me? I think it has everything to do with everybody in this building tonight. What are you going to do with the opportunity that God has before you? You say, well, I don't understand exactly what he has for me. Well, it might be that you need to fast and begin to pray to understand what God's trying to say to you so that you can have something to say about your destiny. Does that make sense? I came in here and I was going to give a good message that was going to be everybody shouting, everybody hallelujah, everybody in a moment. I'm going to tell you, we've got to dig into the word. And we need to increase our prayer life and the power of our prayer life that it begins to shake the kingdom of hell when you wake up in the morning. I think demons that are hanging around should say, uh-oh. They're up. We're in trouble. So my challenge for us, no matter what is innate inside of you, I think for generations we're dealing with stuff that's been handed down from generation to generation. How do I overcome that? Through my prayer and my fasting and my understanding the word. Not just reading the word. Just because you have eyes doesn't mean you can see. Should I say that again? There are people that are looking, but they're not seeing. Even though Samson's eyes were pulled out, he was still able to see what his purpose was. The word says that he slew more in that final day. There needs to be mass deliverance taking place in our churches right now. There needs to be mass healings taking place in our churches right now. And people that are being taught by your ministry should be going out into the streets, into the highways and byways, and in the grocery stores. They should be turning that place upside down by the power of God. The children that's in your church should have the power of God so inside of them that they're prophesying to their teachers, and teachers are blown away at a little child speaking stuff that nobody knows but them. Come on, why not? Why not your church? Why not you? We should be adding to the church daily. Which means that it's not just going to be the people that walks in the door for the first time. I don't know about y'all, but I don't have a whole bunch of them coming in at one time. They come in spurts. 
So what we have to do is we have to go outside these four walls and demonstrate the power of God. I'm reminded of David, and I'm going to finish with this. I'm reminded of David. David says, I've got to get the presence of God back into Israel. So he builds a fine cart, puts the Ark of the Covenant on the fine ark, uh, cart that he built, and he drives it. It comes to Nacon's threshing floor, and all of a sudden, the word says, and the oxen shook. David, David's friends put their hands up to stable of it. Uzzah touches the Ark of the Covenant, strike dead right there on the, on the spot. Now, David's in a mess. He still needs the presence of God in Israel because he knew that wherever the presence of God was, the blessings of God would be in that community, in that place. And it's proven by when they brought it to Obadiah's house, which was an ignorant priest. He wasn't educated the way others were, but yet he had the credentials of a priest. When they brought it to Obadiah's house, it wasn't Obadiah's time. But everything that pertained to Obadiah's house was blessed. We want the blessings of God. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to study the word until our eyes are watering with tears. Because we have been searching and digging for revelation that we would have something to bring forth to somebody that's going to change their life. That we can speak to the lame. Rise up and walk. Now, I've come to an end. And I want to ask you one question. Are you willing to pay whatever price it's going to cost you. Salvation is free, but from that point on, it's going to cost you everything you've got. It's going to cost you some of your best friends. It's going to cost you a lot of things you never thought you'd have to give up. So you know what I'm talking about. Are you ready to start crying out and saying, me if it's just one more time use me use me to touch the lost use me to heal those that have broken hearts those that their mind has been controlled by demonic spirits of God those that are lame in their physical body use me Lord can you hear me the word would get out that you're alive and well in a confused world that's no longer hiding satanic powers, that's no longer hiding their rituals, but are blatant right in our face and wanting to control everything that we do and everything that we say. Oh God. Oh my Lord. Use me. Use me that I can make a change in somebody's life. Lord, I will take the time. I will take whatever time it takes for revelation to come forward in my life. 
that I can see things that I've never seen before and hear things I've never heard before. If that's you today, if you just want a move of God in your personal life to be what God wants you to be, time that I can go at the gates, I can go at the pillars of the building and tear it down and destroy what the enemy is trying to bring forward. Use me, God. Use me that I can be a person that they can see miracles operate through as your hand being upon me, that your Holy Spirit is doing me with the power that I need to demonstrate your word. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to make your way out in the aisle and I want you to come forward right there. I think let's kick this thing off tonight. Oh God, use me. Use me, oh God. Begin to lift your voice as you come before him. God, I need you. Talk to him. Talk to him as if nobody else is in the room. God, I need you. I need your presence. I need your spirit, oh God. I need your spirit to come upon me. I need you, Lord. There are people that need healings. There's people that need miracles, Lord. Use me. Use me, oh God. Cry out to him right now. Hallelujah. Everything that the enemy has come and mocked. That have brought offenses, Lord, we drop it today. We push it aside. Lord, we forgive those that have offended. We forgive those that, that unrightfully have used us. Where our intentions have been good, but they've come against us. Those that have slandered and said things behind our backs and those that have tried to shoot us right in front of everyone else. Father, we just defy every work of the enemy. We ask you, Lord, give us a hunger for your word like we have never had before in our life. Let us devour your word, oh God. Father, touch us in our prayer life. Let your Holy Spirit begin to Father, I ask you, Lord, that as
as your word says in the last days that your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall have visions. stay that course, we can anticipate God showing up in our homes, in our churches, everywhere we go. Lord, use us. shift that's fixing to take place. There's going to be the presence of God like never before. And as you're doing your thing, you're going to see in the midst of the people, people being healed without an altar call, without even talking about healing. But the faith of the people is going to start rising to another level. It's almost like it's going to get out of control, which is a good thing, because then the people will begin to take what you're delivering to them and bringing it to the streets. You know, I just, you just hear the, the lyrics of a song that says, taking it to the streets. It's an old secular song, but we're going to be taking it to the streets start looking for the miracles taking place. It's going to start manifesting itself. People are going to just start in the midst of it being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I think that, that in the midst of it, you're going to have angelic visitations that will start showing up. It's not just going to be a goosebump. You're literally going to start seeing angelic visitations coming in, touching people's lives. Be some good Where are you? What? I believe I believe that there's going to be an open heaven, and it's going to be like a ring of fire that's just going to come over over where you are, and it's going to start spreading 
variety of what's taking place is going to spread all over. People are going to be calling and asking, what are you doing? What's going on? And you say, I'm not doing anything. It's just God. God's just doing miraculous things. Tremendous outpouring is going to begin to take place. And a tender heart. A tender heart. But yet at the same time, there's wisdom that is beyond your years. It's like you're an old soul. An old soul in a young body. But wisdom that is beyond people your age. And the discernment is coming upon you that when you're sitting in the amongst, amongst people, you're going to have the answer for all the questions because of the discernment that's going to begin to come forth and yet the word of wisdom is going to begin to come forth on a whole different level. You get tremendous wisdom inside of you already. And I think by virtue of how you were raised, family, being in church, it's just there. You know, it's like every preacher's kid. You know, whether you ask for it or not, you got it. God's about to bring you to another So put your notebook by your bed because dreams are about to get crazy coming to you. I'm not talking about crazy dreams. I'm talking about something that's coming so fast it's going to seem crazy. God's giving you patterns. He'll speak to you in patterns. So it's going to be good days, good days ahead. And the task is not going to be a heavy labor going to be an easy thing, an easy thing, and you'll find that you'll have free time to do what you've been wanting to do, but yet nothing, nothing will be in lack, everything, everything will be in order, it'll take care of itself, God's doing some awesome, you're doing some awesome things, you know the, the individuals, we have to make a decision not let anything interfere with that decision. It's all God or nothing. But when you start throwing all the other stuff out, God shows up and shows out. I appreciate you being patient and listening to me, brother. I'm Michael Johnson, the Lord spoke to me about you, that there's about to be a shift in your house, and there's going to be some financial increase. God's given you tremendous vision, but it's like, God, how can I do this? And of your own, you haven't been able to, but there's about to be some people brought in that have a revelation of tithing, and those that above tithing have a revelation of offerings, and they're about to begin to sow into your ministry so that God is going to take the load of pressure off of you because you've been like I can't even seem to accomplish these things because you know God you're just pouring vision, pouring vision pouring dreams but I can't do it I'm hitting up a wall up against a wall like a blockade that's there because of the financial pressure and 
God is lifting that pressure off of you. Begin to expect it. You know, one of the things the Lord was speaking to me about while we were here in the altar ministry a while ago, and several of you that had come up and, you know, for prayer, you know, there was a season of life, and I know that you will know because you are seasoned people in this room, where our prayer life was more of, oh, God, please use me. God, please let us have miracles. God, please. And look, hey, we need intercession. But God is about to do some things in us. And the mindset we've got to take on is that of our authority and our confidence of knowing who we are in God. So, yes, our prayer life needs to be God. I want to be walking in the miracles, but we need to be expecting it. We need to begin decreeing it. We need to begin declaring it. Even when we don't see it in the natural, we must let that come forth as our profession of faith. Not a matter of begging and pleading with God to let this or that or the other thing happen, but to begin to decree it and expect it to happen. There are people that are demonized that like at a different level than ever before, and they are walking in this demonic realm not just young people, but people of all ages, they have opened themselves up to be so um, infused with the doctrine, so to speak, of the world. And they're walking in authority. They're confident about what they believe. But they come to a church at times that is weak and powerless, and as my husband was saying, impotent, powerless, not showing and demonstrating the power of God, that is not going to attract them. So in our presentation, in our ministries, that I, I, my prayer and what I'm releasing prophetically right now is God's about to take those of us who have a hunger to be used, who came up here, who were laying out before God, who were kneeling out before God or standing, whatever your position was, saying, God, I want to be used. Use me one more time rekindle that anointing in my life. Yes, I've been exhausted and weary just from the work of, of, of the ministry. You know, Epaphroditus was nigh unto death for the sake of the work of the ministry. So we understand that, but we can't let that be what's demonstrated through our life. We've got to come in with the same level of confidence and authority, knowing who we are in God, knowing the God that is in us, knowing that he's going to flow through us to touch the lives of others and expect it expect it amen and that little baby right there with that camera I ministered to him last year what a prophet generational legacy that's what this conference kingdom legacy that's what it's got to be about it's got to be about but our babies can't walk in that kind of authority, casting out demons and laying hands on the sick and expecting them to recover if we're not demonstrating that before them. We've got to. It's not optional anymore. It is not an option. We must. We must rise up and be what God's called us to be and release the gifts and the power of the, of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. It's not an option. People will die and go to hell if we don't take our place. We've got to take our place. We've got to rise up and be the church, not just talk about the church or not just talk about what used to be. Listen, 
if you're hanging with other pastors, and we have to because we understand each other, we have to have that kind of relationship. But if you're hanging with those that can only talk about what God did through them in the past, don't make that a strong relationship unless you are so full of confidence that you can bring them into the present. I don't want to just be hanging around people who are talking about what God did back then. Oh, I want to hear that. I'm inspired by that. I'm challenged by that. It builds my faith, but I can't hang my hat there. I've got to be talking about what God's doing now, and I want to be around people that God's moving through them now, and then talking about what we're expecting God to be doing in the future. Because it's not over. It's not over unless we say it's over. It's only just begun. He that began a good work in you will perform it, will complete it, will perfect it if we say yes. And if we allow him to do what he has called us to do and allow him to work that in and through our lives. It's got to happen. It's going to happen. So lift your heads high. I feel such an oppression in some of the lives here because it's like, God, I have faith in you, but I'm just, we've almost bought into a mindset that we're living and working and walking in the impossible. Yes, there are impossibilities around all of us, but we serve the God of the possible, and we can't just say it with our mouth. We've got to believe it in our heart. We've got to demonstrate it. We've got to rise up and be what he called us to be, be what he empowered us to be, and release that to those that are bound, those that are desperate, those that are broken, those that are hurting. We're going to go into there, into that arena, you know, with confidence, with confidence, because we know who he is. And we know that even when we're discouraged and weighted down, he's working on our behalf when we can't even see it. And he's causing us to triumph. He's forcing us. He's making us triumph. If we accept defeat, it's because we chose to accept defeat. It's a choice. And he didn't call us to that. He called us to victory. He called us to walk in triumph. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than. I am more than a conqueror. What does that even mean? I don't even know. Because to be a conqueror, it's all that. But to be more than, wow. My mind can't even comprehend that. That's what he's called us to be. My prayer is that when you leave this kingdom legacy 20th anniversary hosted by our precious friends and brother and sister in Christ that when you leave here you're going to leave here with a new fresh insight and expectation for God to do in and through you beyond what you've ever seen in your life but also not just with that expectancy but with the, the weightiness of the responsibility I must demonstrate this for the next generation, for the legacy to carry on. Or else they're going to be kids 
that'll just quote out of Acts and about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but they will have never personally witnessed and dem the demonstrations of his power. I, I'm not the one preaching tonight, okay? I know that, I, but, but it's been burning in me. I've been sitting there trying to be a good girl and shut up. But you know, <laughs> it's like he said a while ago, you're a preacher's kid, it's in you, and sometimes it's gotta come out. I'm gonna share this, about 30 years ago, when my husband and I were youth pastors on staff with my dad, God started bringing young people into our church in the New Orleans area. There was one family specifically uh, that Garland was preaching one night and one girl stood up and started weeping and she said, I keep having visions I, and torment. I keep seeing my dad with the blood cauldron and the chicken and she was talking about things. Well, you would think being from New Orleans, she's talking about voodoo, but she was not. She was talking about buharia, something we had never heard of, the black magic of Santeria, which we had only heard of that because there was a movie out about the Santeria experience. This is like 30 years ago, okay? So here we are, Garland and I have been raised in church our whole life, filled with the Holy Spirit at young ages. All we knew about was the love of God. That was basically what we knew. Oh, I saw my dad cast out demons from people and, and things of that nature. I had witnessed that growing up, but we basically knew about the love of God and the Holy Spirit began to convict us with a verse that he quoted tonight and you said was your favorite verse. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, the lack of understanding because we haven't done the work. So Garland began to study about these occultic religions and we were praying and we were seeking God and he bought he went to the French Quarter he went on a fast and he went down to the French Quarter then the French Quarter in New Orleans where we are that they have you know all of these uh, commercialized witchcraft shops but they have also the authentic witchcraft shops so he was praying fasted went into this store that was an authentic witchcraft shop and when he went in there, as soon as he walked in, the person in the back who had a curtain closed, who was reading somebody's palms or whatever, uh, opened the curtain and says, what do you want? What do you want with us? Got up, ran out. The lady getting her palm read got up and ran out. There was a lady walking around in the store and Garland began to realize that when he walked close to her, she would jump like just so there's a coffin in the middle of the store she literally jumped over the coffin began hissing at him and he realized he said check this out as the awareness hit him that it was the holy ghost empowered inside of him that was causing this demoniacs to react that way finally they all left the store and it was only him in the store by himself he went in there to buy a book on buharia so we could try to understand because god put these people in our life we're trying to minister to them but we didn't have the knowledge to know how to minister to them we were teaching them about the love of god but we couldn't relate to what they were talking about in their experiences so we began to study in those areas and put ourselves in those positions god taught us so much in that season of life but it was in that season of life that we went one day when we flew out of town to attend it was called a satanism symposium now we were not trying to become satanists y'all just to clarify that it was because we want a mission to understand how to reach the young people in fact we began i wrote a book and we used it and we began going to churches and teaching on occult awareness seminars and we had parents come in 
so we can teach parents signs to look for when their kids were being swayed and pulled into the occult. And so that was where our heart was. And so we, we, were, we were being, it wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't what he wanted to do, but it was what we were called to do. And when we got to this conference, this Satanism symposium in one of the services, I'm taking just a minute. I'll be done in a second. And, and in the service, they, they had these young people up on the stage that were all in various forms of demonic worship. Some were in Satanism, some were in white magic, some were in black magic, whatever. And they all were in different levels of a hierarchy, like some was a high priestess and this and that. This is what they were studying to learn and whatever. And so the, the, the minister who was conducting this conference and invited them to come and be on the stage and, and sit in these chairs, he went to each one of them and he said, were you raised in a church that taught that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Every one of them said yes. And then he asked them, then how in the world did you turn to be serving Satan and get involved in the occult? And they said, because all of our lives, we heard of a God that had power, but we never saw a demonstration of his power. Y'all, that's on us. That's on the church. That's on those of us that fulfill the, 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 the role of pastor, apostle, prophet, wherever role we're feeling that are behind the pulpit. We, if we're not demonstrating his power, we're wrong. And yes, we're failing. I pray that you leave this conference with a fresh passion to let the Holy Spirit work through you with demonstrations that verse you use it all the time about the sons of God crying out for the demonstrations I'm not quoting it right but anyway we both we have to we fight over sermons in our house so he'll take one I'll take the other we get this revelation deal so anyway I don't remember the verse exactly but y'all know it probably y'all all probably know how to quote it but we, let us not fall short in demonstrating his power and if you're not doing it even for the people in your church, you've got to do it for your next generation. Garland said today, he said, I'm, I'm going to be here when Jesus comes. He said, I ain't going anywhere. And I'm like, well, I pray that we are. I don't know all the future, what all's happening. But I want to know that I've left enough of the deposit and a demonstration in my seed that if I'm taken from this place prematurely before I was ready to go as far as meaning that I don't want to die I want to be here I want to see the moves of God I want to experience the revival I want to see the outpouring I want to see it I want to be right smack in the middle of it that's where I want to be but if he chooses to take me home I want to know that I've left enough of the deposit that it stirred a hunger in our our kids that they're going to say I've got to have that same level of relationship I don't want my seed or the children that I have put, been put in a position to touch for them to be the one saying where is the Lord the God of Elijah I don't want that to happen I want to do what he called me to do I might be intimidated sometimes 
I might not even be the one that's supposed to get up and take the mic. I might be nervous to step out of the boat, but oh, I'd rather take that risk than stay in the boat and wonder what I missed and whose life I didn't touch because I was hiding behind my own excuses and insecurities. I said yes to the call of God when I was a child. I'm 63, about to be 64. I'm still saying yes. And I'm thrilled with how he's used me, but I'm not satisfied. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. And just like my husband was sharing tonight, make that the cry of your heart that you want more God than anything to me. Let your spirit flow through me. If I've dropped the ball, it's okay. My hair's growing back. My hair's growing back. Amen. And it, the hair of the church is growing back. Let's be the ones that are going to say, yes, God. We will usher in that instrument of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Craig on the radio today. He was talking about a tent meeting they had up on Morehouse and how the Lord's moving. And I heard him go, Whew. he said, Whew. The Spirit of God. It's great. Are you going to come back tomorrow? Come, we're going to worship together. We're going to share some more of the word. We're going to prophesy. We're going to eat. We're going to fellowship. I like having lunch, and I, I told the ladies this when I was talking to them, because I didn't want us to be rushed to eat and then make Brother Ellie preach to a bunch of people full, like we did last year. He did a great job, but I want him to be fresh and us to come back tomorrow night and really receive the word of stand with us. We just thank God. Lift a hand towards heaven one more time. And we honor you, Lord. We thank you. We appreciate you. We thank you for the gifts of the fivefold ministry. We thank you for the gifts that you have brought our way so that we might receive an encouraging, powerful word that will stir us up to do more. Man, well, it is 20 till 10, so I can't guarantee there's any place open for you to go eat if you want to go eat.